Well, hey, thanks for joining us. My name is Kraft. I'm the student pastor here at MCC, and I get to host this podcast that we are doing called Ecclesia, A Journey Through the Book of Acts. And this is to partner with the messages that we are doing on Sunday morning to help you become a disciple maker who makes disciples as we look through the context of the early disciples and how they lived. Uh, but before we dive in to all the serious stuff, like I said, I'm a student pastor, so I have to ask a silly question. So my silly question for you today is, would you rather have feet for hands or hands for feet? And why? But do you get to keep your hands on your arms if you have hands for feet? Yes. Oh, definitely. I'm going hands for feet because <laughs> I want to be able to walk. Number one, I don't want to eat with feet. That's sick. Uh, but walking on your hands in all the time, that'd be, that'd be something. And you could pick up a rock with your foot, although I know other people who can already do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely hands. Definitely hands. Feet are nasty. They are. <laughs> they're gross. Well, I don't know if they're Could nasty you imagine and gross. toenails on your but hands? It, you, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we're going with hands. Going with hands. I, too, would go with hands because I feel like I would get so much more done if I had what essentially was two extra arms, you know? Imagine typing with your feet. Oh, that'd be interesting. Right? I didn't even thought about typing that. Typing with your feet while you're working on something else with your hands. Yeah. Like, I could double my typing speed, 10 words a minute. You could, you could a hold a book and read it and eat cereal at the at same, the same time. time. Oh, see, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Right, there are so many wonderful things we can do. Oh, man, but joking aside, we're <laughs> digging in, right? It's really hard to segue from hands for feet. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to segue anyway as we dive into the podcast today. Uh, and really, the whole point of this episode is we're laying the foundation of Luke and Acts as we look at the context of this book. And that was really what your message was about this past Sunday morning, kind of looking at the context of the story. Uh, but as we dig into this, my real question to kick us off is, why is it important for us to understand the context of biblical stories? Not just the context of Luke and Acts, but biblical stories as a whole. Yeah. I, so uh, context tells us really what they're saying. We, it helps us understand what's being said, but it also helps us understand why it's being said. If you understand the context of something, then you understand you know, why this conversation is taking place in, in the first place. So I, for me, for example, when I, I, I memorized John 3.16 as a kid growing up, I just never knew who said it. I didn't know why it was said. And so when I was in college, it was when I was in college. I learned that as an elementary age student. And it was in college when I finally got the curiosity to who, who, was, who said that and why did they say that? And you find out that it's Jesus and, you know, Nicodemus at night in a conversation. And, and, uh, and then he, you know, I just thought that was, that was very interesting to find that out. Uh, and I wonder how many people have memorized John 3.16 but never knew who said it or why he said it. I mean, it's like watching a video of someone giving a speech, but there's just a sliver cut out, and they're trying to make that speech be about this one sliver when we all know mm -hmm. that, you know, hey, you've, you've done some pretty strategic editing, and now I don't have the rest of what's going on to help me understand what that phrase or sentence or soundbite was pulled out. I don't have context, and so I can't understand. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, and the other thing, too, is, and uh, recognizing uh, that Luke is the only Gentile author that we're aware of. We don't know who wrote 
uh, Hebrews, but the only Gentile author. And so all the rest are Jews. And so when Matthew writes his gospel, and you see this in the genealogy, he traces Jesus back to Abraham because of the promise. But Luke's not concerned about that because he's writing to Gentiles. He's a Gentile writing to Gentiles. And so he takes him through Abraham into or back to Adam, which, uh, I mean, there's just some things you pick up about the Gospel of Luke, like he doesn't quote as much Old Testament prophecy as Matthew does, because, again, he's not, that's not who he's addressing. He's addressing Gentiles. So if you're ever wondering why you see more of this or less of that, sometimes it's the context that helps you understand that. Yeah, that's that's good. And so I love uh, what you said too, Rich, just about the idea of like in our world today, it's really easy to be scrolling on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram and hear a soundbite of someone giving a speech. And it sounds really impactful and meaningful. But like you said, it's strategic editing and you're actually missing out on a larger part of what's happening. And that's so true when we go to understand scripture is that, man, if we just look at it from the soundbite or a clip from a singular verse, we're missing out on the much broader story that God is telling. Right. And so I love that. And speaking of the broader story that God is telling, let's get real specific into Luke and Acts. One of the things I love to say to students about Luke and Acts is Luke is really volume one and Acts is volume two in a story that is being told about Christ and his church. Why is it incredibly important for us to understand the connection between Luke and Acts? You know, Luke, the gospel of Luke tells the story of Jesus and his ministry here uh, and what happened during that. And, and then the book of Acts picks it up at, at the end of Luke and, uh, and actually tells the story of what happened next, so right. the story of the church. Yeah, yeah you get the opportunity to, to see the uh, Jesus marching orders. He, he lived a life that was, that was intentional to be modeled and then commissioned uh, not just the apostles, but... Uh, all the followers to go and make disciples. And then what does that look like? Not having the book of Acts would leave us guessing about a lot of the things that they did to establish like the leadership structure in the church, uh, some of the practices and habits of the church, uh, some of the writings that were being circulated even during the the first century uh, that were referred to as scripture. We we would kind of miss out on some of the how that happened, when that happened, who it was that was, was doing the doing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's good. It is, uh, it is just that reminder of this is a large story that is being unfolded. And to truly understand, right, the life of Jesus and then the commissioning of his church helps us as disciples today become better disciple makers. Uh, so with that being said, let's get into the, to the context of Luke and Acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was going on during the time that these books were written? Because they were written in a very specific period of time right. after the life of Jesus. So what is happening? Yeah, so Luke, I think, is around 60 uh, A.D. And uh, Acts is somewhere between 63 and 70, although I think they lean toward earlier rather than later. And uh, uh, part of what's happening is the Roman government doesn't like the church, and neither do the Jewish leaders. The, the leaders of Israel don't like, like the Christian church either because they stand in contrast to them. And so, you know, there, there's this uh, uh, pressure that's being put on the church that we have to understand as we read this. And you see it very early in the book of Acts as well. Yeah. And as you look through 
um, the content of the book of Acts, because again, with context, how do I understand scripture? Um, you, you interpret scripture with scripture, so how do we come up with Luke as the, the author? Well, you start reading the, the book, and there are things like uh, scholars refer to the we passages, and you start seeing, well, who, who was with uh, Paul when he was doing these kinds of things, and you, you, you identify, well, that's who this has to be, and uh, it helps you um, just to see that storyline being lived out and um, gives you an opportunity to uh, connect some of the dots. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Uh, one of the things we were talking about in an earlier conversation, the three of us, is the chronological Bible uh, mm -hmm. and how it helps connect some of those dots. Because the thing people don't often see is that during the book of Acts being written, Paul's writing a lot of his letters to the churches, these epistles we find later in Scripture. When I, so I love reading chronological Bibles. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I do a reading plan or through the Bible, I will typically do chronological. It, it just helps me keep in mind that because the Bible's not in chronological order. So for anyone who didn't know that, I mean, that's... <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, when I, again, when I was younger growing up, didn't know that. Right. Uh, and so I was trying to make it fit in the order it was written, but... In the chronological Bible, you start reading the book of Acts, and you can get about halfway into it, and then all of a sudden these letters start jumping in. So you read, you know, and then boom, one of Paul's letters is, is dropped in there. Boom, here comes another one. And, and so you keep getting interrupted in your reading by what was actually happening during that time, which yeah. is incredibly interesting and helps us maintain this continuity this flow of history mm. uh, and why that letter was written from that time and what was going on uh, and, and they weren't just in this one area because they had planted a church here but they were here when they had to write the letter to talk to that church right yeah, that's good yeah and using all the sources that were available because um, one of the things that we understand from about scripture is that there was a lot of it that is from oral tradition mm. And that kind of scares people because they're familiar with, like, the, the old game telephone. Yeah. I whisper something to you. You whisper something to Kraft. Kraft whispers something. And I mean, three or four people in, and right. it's just a mess. And right. we think, we think that, that's oral tradition. That's, that's fallible <laughs> and terrible. But it was meticulous yeah. um, the way that uh, they, they maintained those kinds of things. And um, Luke, in Luke and in Acts, makes sure that the reader – understands that what he is telling them is from eyewitness accounts. Yeah. And so as they start seeing these stories unfold, um, it's not hearsay. It's not um, made-up things. Yeah. Um, it is um, actual facts from different places and people. And it, it, if it could have been frowned on, um, it would have been frowned on as soon as it was put out and circulated. But it wasn't. It was adopted, and some of the early church fathers, like um, Irenaeus and um, Clement, mm. um, Tertullian, they, they were making references to um, things that were written in the Book of Acts as being, you know, solid in, in Scripture. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's like you say, and you see it in the early Book of Luke in his Gospel that he's tying the birth of Jesus to certain events in the government mm. that are historically. You know they're tied to a time, right? And so, yeah, it just it helps keep everything uh, historically accurate. Yeah, for us, man. And that I love. I love what you guys are saying. And the thing that uh, to piggyback off you for a second, Rich, that I loved is you. You mentioned that Luke 
talks about eyewitness accounts. He makes sure everything is an eyewitness account, even to the resurrection of Jesus, which the, the fact uh, that I love to always point out about the book of Luke is he references the testimony of women in his in his document, which in that day and age right, right. wouldn't have been credible in any court proceeding or legal proceeding. Right. Right. So he he but he intentionally goes, no, it was women who first saw that Jesus was resurrected and first went to the apostles and the disciples to say he's alive. And he made sure that storyline was through all right. all throughout it, even though it wouldn't have been a credible testimony in right. that day. The only reason you'd include that is because that's how it happened. Right. And so it is just, it is so important to understand that and see that. Um, As we kind of dig in a little bit further here, um, what do Luke and Acts, right, in the context of the whole story, teach us about Christ and his church? Well, when it comes to Jesus, I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it is beginning with the gospel of Luke, becomes very obvious very quickly that he is not just of human origin, that he is the son of God, yeah. uh, born to human parents. And, uh, and you see his teachings and his miracles and his life lived out uh, and how he interacted with people that nobody else would interact with, mm-hmm. which was to set the model then for those who followed him to see this is how we do business. Because right. it's not how uh, the nation of Israel was doing business. It's not how the Jewish, uh, the faith, was lived out, at least not in the first century. And so watching Jesus go after outcasts mm. and the least of these um, gave the apostles, you know, what they needed as they moved into uh, the book of Acts. Yeah. And you see the church beginning and what they, what right. they went after. Right, and, and following the storyline of, of how Jesus poured into the disciples to set up um, mm-hmm. their knowledge base mm. so that they would be able to, to launch the, the ministry of, of the church yeah. age um, and what the church means. I mean, the gates of hell will not prevail against right. it. And, you know, we, we live in, you, you, you pop up on Facebook or Instagram or something like, and you see all these memes that's, that's, uh, that are kind of banging against the church. Like there's going to, there's got to be a better idea, but then you start looking at the content of the book of Acts mm. and you're like, Hey, guess what? Those churches were kind of messed up too. They had problems that needed to be oh, yeah. addressed. Uh, there were things that, that weren't going well. There were leadership structure yeah. problems. So it's kind of the Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun, and it helps kind of normalize um, the things that are happening now and helps us to see that, you know, hey, if they were having these kinds of problems way back then, mm-hmm. the, and, and the church has survived and thrived, Jesus meant what he said, the gates of hell will won't prevail against his church mm, yeah. and it's still the vehicle that will bring the gospel message to the world. Man, that's good. I, I am often reminded when I read the epistles and I have hope as a church leader that, Oh, like there, there is nothing new under the sun, right? right? Like these church leaders have been dealing with this since the beginning of time, like beginning of the church. It's okay. I can breathe. Yeah, and in this, uh, in, in the series that we'll do later on yeah. uh, First Corinthians, some of those we're going to see that what was going on in the first century. Hey, look, we got some of the same things going on in the twenty-first century, and it's still not good. You know, it doesn't <laughs> reflect the kingdom well. So, and the church still has to safeguard against those things because culture is going to come to bear on the church, right? And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to stand strong against the current. So. Mm-hmm. That's so good. 
Um, so with the context of Luke and Acts in our head, I wanted to make this real practical for the disciple maker listening or watching this conversation right now. And so for them, how should they begin to study scripture and read scripture to learn more about the context of the surrounding stories? What questions should they be asking as they're digging into the text? What thoughts uh, should they be having? Those kind of things. Sure. Yeah, and you, and it's part of the, the answer is part of the question. You know, you, you actually, you go to the Bible. Mm. If you want to know about what the Bible says, don't just read things about the Bible. Actually read what the Bible says, uh, and that will begin to give you some great understanding. Uh, and so I want to encourage, because it was really easy. I know when I was growing up, uh, there were some authors who had hit that were just really very, they were very popular within the church. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, this was a while ago. Chuck Swindoll, Max Lucado, guys like that. And it, it seemed very easy during people's, de- you know, time alone, devotion time, daily quiet time, whatever you want to call it, to read those books rather than the Bible. And you should never confuse reading a book about the Bible with the Bible. So you start there. Right. Uh, and, and don't miss that stuff. Sure. Well, and, and to make sure that we approach the Bible with uh, some uh, sense of expectancy mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm, I'm going to interact with God's Word. It's, it's not just a book. Uh, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me understand what it is that I'm reading so that um, we can have confidence that me minus access to commentaries yeah. with a copy of God's Word and His Holy Spirit inside me I can be drawn along and be an effective uh, disciple maker sure. with the Bible. Now, there are tons of other resources out there Absolutely. that are wonderful and helpful and help us understand some of the historical context of what's going on in a society at yeah. a given period. Yeah, that's some of the stuff we might miss sure. because we don't know, yeah. you know sure. that, the historical background of, of what was going on because our 21st century lives are not like their first century lives. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So even down to when Jesus talks about weddings, mm. you know, they talk about, this is, he tells a story about a wedding. And when you read that story, it's like, what, what is going on? That's nothing like weddings we do today. And it wasn't anything like weddings that we do today. But when you read a little bit of the background, and you typically have to get that from a commentary mm. uh, or another source, then it begins to make sense what he's talking about. And it's a whole different world than ours. Yeah. But you have to be careful, right? With Please. The, with the sources that you're using. Be careful. Right. I have a commentary set that I know ha- uh, is great with historical background. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it. It's one of my favorite things in reading scripture and, and just delving into the history of it and, and what was going on and, and what this means and what that would have meant to them in that day. Uh, but I also know there are weaknesses to that commentary set. And so I do not, so it's Barclay's commentary set. So I use that for historical background, but, but not a whole lot else. Mm. That's good. Yeah. And we're going to get into resources we recommend here, here in just a moment, but, uh, to kind of conclude this, uh, thought that we're having the, the thing I also want to remind people of is scripture can interpret scripture. Right. Like scripture interprets scripture. So as I'm reading scripture, right, if I come across something that I'm confused by or like I'm trying to truly understand something, search God's word for what it says outside of even that context. Because the thing you're going to find is that a lot of the themes, even in the New Testament, are all addressed in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. as well. Sure. 
Well, and if, if you see two pieces of scripture, two letters that seem to contradict each other, yeah. that typically means we're missing something. We've misunderstood because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Right. And so we've misunderstood what one or the other, or maybe both of them, are trying to tell us. Yeah. And again, it's all rooted in the context of, with the letters, that particular church and what was going on there. Yeah. So it's addressed very specifically to them. Yeah, and I think that brings up another good point as we kind of wrap this question up is when I was in Bible college in uh, intro to hermeneutics, which hermeneutics is just a fancy word for the study of scripture. Uh, the, my professor, Doug Redford, said this quote that I loved. He said, scripture cannot mean anything to you that it did not mean to its original intended audience. Yeah. Uh, and so as we are reading this, right, I love to tell students to ask the question, what is God saying to you as you're reading this text? I think that's a really good question yeah. to ask, but I also love to remind them, it can't mean anything new or revolutionary that it didn't mean right. to those people back then. Because if it does, we're reading something into the text most likely. Right. How we apply it today may look a little different. Absolutely. Just because, again, we live in the 21st century, but the basic principles, when we don't have a direct command, uh, yeah. we can use the, the principles of what we're hearing and learning to, right. uh, to take out the meaning of it. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Truth will always stay the same in the context of Scripture. The method of how we, you know, live out that truth changes culturally for sure yeah. but that truth is timeless and always the same yeah. uh, as we wrap up our time today uh, what resources do you guys recommend to help people with their pursuit of understanding context or just biblical study in general you know one of the uh, resources that we have in our house is the is this it's the it's the uh, life application bible or yeah. the study bible um, it gives not a it gives some background, mm. uh, some some understanding to what was going on. And so if you're reading and you're looking at something going, I don't know, why would he say that? Sometimes just looking at the notes in, yeah. the, in, the, in the study Bible helps with that. Or geographically, the maps it has helps you see where it was taking place and what mm. that place is called today. And so that's all very, that's very helpful. Awesome. Yeah, there, there are tons of, of built into your Bible resources that you know, yeah. are out there. Uh, we've talked about the um, uh, apologetic study Bible mm -hmm. that addresses common questions where the, the world or our culture seems to push back against yeah. something that the scripture says. It addresses those with either uh, some archaeological evidence or uh, it helps connect the dots so that you can defend your, your faith. Mm. Uh, Let's say there's even an archaeological study Bible which right. addresses that very specifically yeah which is really cool yeah and then you know we, we live in an age where i mean we we can just push a button on our phone and have access to all kinds of information yeah. the caution on you know buying a book because i used to say you know 30 years ago just because it has a cross on the x outside of the bookstore doesn't mean everything on the inside is safe right um we have to understand the source yeah where does this come from yeah who who wrote it what do they believe um, you know, it's not that um, we're all right and everybody else is all wrong. Right. But um, understanding a person's perspective, their starting point, mm. helps us to understand um, how they deal with Scripture uh, as they approach it. Yeah, I, I remember going into bookstores and there was that religious section, whether <laughs> it was one shelf or it was a, a bookcase yeah. with books in it. And looking at some of the books that were on there, and it's like, 
uh, yeah, I'm not sure. These don't seem to belong here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we do have to be careful. Yeah. You know, one of the, we were talking about Bibles a moment ago. I, it dawned on me with children. They make very specific Bibles for children yeah. even, which is a great resource uh, for children today. And uh, also, I want to mention the Bible Project. Yep which is an online resource. And all you have to do is, is look up Bible Project. If you Google that, you'll, you'll come upon their website. Their website. They have a YouTube channel, which is really great. Yeah. And they do a lot of work. So, like, when you're reading a book, you can they'll give you the overview of the book before yeah. you even read it, which then, as you're reading it, may help it make more sense. Uh, and they do specific topics. So, yeah, that, the Bible Project, I've always appreciated their work as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I want to say thank you guys for being on the podcast today. And thank you for listening and watching. We'll be back next week with another conversation on this topic of Luke and Acts, the book of Acts, and our journey through it as we seek to become disciples who make disciples. Thanks for joining.